I'm going to turn you to the book of Acts today, and it's chapter 13. Um, David in the Bible is one of my favorite characters, and I must have mentioned him uh, a number of times over the years. So um, I don't make any apologies for that. He's, I trust, an inspiration. It's an inspiration to me. I trust it will be an inspiration to you. Because I want to talk about God's purpose for your life and how you can serve the Lord in your generation. So we're going to turn to Acts chapter 13 and I will read verse 30, 20, uh, 20 I think. Oh no, verse 30, sorry, verse 32, that's it. We tell you the good news, what God promised our fathers, he has fulfilled in us, their children, by raising up Jesus, as it is written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have become your father. The fact that God raised him from the dead never to decay is stated in these words. I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David. So it is stated elsewhere, you will not let your holy ones see decay. For when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his fathers and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Therefore, my brothers, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is justified from everything you could not be justified from by the law of Moses. Amen. <laughs> David served God's purpose in his generation. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul said that he wanted to finish his course with joy. He wanted to end well. <laughs> and I don't know about you, brothers and sisters. I want to end well <laughs> for God. <clears throat> what will be written on your tombstone? What will be said about you? Well, Jesus wrote the epitaph on someone's tombstone. It was the tombstone of John the Baptist. Not literal tombstone, but he made an epitaph about John the Baptist, and he said this about John. He was a burning and a shining light. I remember one of our great preachers, P.S. Brewster. In fact, his granddaughter comes to our church. But uh, I remember P.S. Brewster commenting about this verse, and he said about John the Baptist, he burned inward and he shone outward. <laughs> That's what God wants us to do, to burn inwardly and shine and outwardly. <clears throat> God has a purpose for every one of our lives. Some people have less prominent roles. I suppose most people have heard of the great um, Wesley brothers, John and Charles Wesley. But how many of you know about their mother, Susanna, who taught them every day the things of God? And she would pray 
and she had an apron on, and apparently she would cover her face with her apron because people were crowded in those days. And uh, nobody had to disturb mother when she was praying in her apron. But the influence that that woman had on those two boys revolutionized England. She served God's purpose just as they served God's purpose as well. In that film, It's a Wonderful Life, that I believe Jenny, Jeff's um, wife, watches every Christmas and cries as well. George Bailey is standing on a bridge about to throw himself off. He's going to commit suicide because he feels his life has, the troubles of life have overwhelmed him. And he makes a wish. He said, I wish I had never been born. And there's an angel looking down. God sends this angel to him. He's called Clarence. (laughs) And uh, the angel takes him through all the things of his life. All the people that he'd helped along the way. And he's amazed how different life is now if he was not born. And Clarence, the angel, says to him, strange, isn't it? Each man's life touches so many other lives. When he isn't around, he leaves an awful hole, doesn't he? I remember a dear brother when we lived up in Beeston. He was the um, pastor, the working pastor. He, he, he had a, um, a driving school uh, and he did the pastoring work as well. And uh, it, 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 there was a period when all the younger people, all the young marriage and all left all at once and started a church on their own. And he was left with... Uh, some of the more elderly people, lovely people, incidentally, more elderly people, but very reduced. And he said to me, David, he said, I sometimes feel it was all for nothing. And I said to him, Alan, it was not all for nothing. You held on, you kept the church open until we, in God's grace and God's time, were able to come in and take over that building. And we saw Lots and lots of people find the Lord. And I don't know if we'd have been able to be there if it wasn't for that faithful man doing what he did for the Lord. David served his generation. So I want to give you a brief survey of David's life. It's a whistle-stop survey of the life of David. How did he serve God? First of all, he served God God's purpose in his generation by being a man after God's own heart. It says in uh, Acts 13 again, God said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. He liked the things that God liked and he hated the things that God hated. He was like God. (laughs) When couples have 
a child, you know. The, the child is barely born before they're saying, oh, he's got my eyes and, and he's got his mother's nose and, and, and his grandfather's ears. I mean, this child is made up of everything. God likes to see his likeness in us. God is looking for people like him. And when he saw this young lad, David, on the hills of Bethlehem, playing his harp, singing his songs, he said, he's like me. He likes the things that I like. He hates the things that I hate. Secondly, he was anointed. Now Saul, the first king of Israel, was now rejected by the Lord. He'd, 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 he'd gone astray from God. And God said to this prophet Samuel, go down to Bethlehem, take with you a horn full of oil, and I want you to anoint one of Jesse's sons as, as, as the king. And uh, Samuel went down to Bethlehem and made uh, all Jesse's sons pass before him. There was Eliab, he was a big, strong guy. He had muscles bulging out everywhere. He was the Mr. Universe of Israel at the time. I like to watch these weightlift, these muscle men. Apparently women don't like that, but fellas like it. But this guy was such a big guy. But the Lord said, no, this isn't the one. And then one of the best verses in the whole of the Bible is found in this passage. It says, look not on the height of a man. God looks on the outside, but God looks on the heart. I've been encouraged by that verse <laughs> thousands of times. All the seven sons of Jesse passed before and, and God said, no, 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 no. And Samuel scratched his head and he turned to Jesse. He said, are these all your sons? And, and Jesse said, well, there's the youngest, but he's minding sheep in the, in the field. Go and bring him, said Samuel. As soon as this young fellow walked in, I don't know how old he was, but this is a young boy. Nice, fresh face, bright eyes. And he, when he walked in the room, the Spirit of God said, anoint him. That's the one. What a beautiful picture of being anointed with oil. What does this anointing mean? An anointing is an ability from God. An ability from the Lord. It says about Jesus, the, Spirit, the Lord said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, the recovery of sight for the blind, the releasing of the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Hallelujah. <clears throat> now some people, it is an anointing to do something. Now if you had a great big car uh, and brand new Jaguar or something and uh, you had it in your garage and uh, once a week you opened the garage door and stuck up the car and revved it up then closed the door and left it again for another week. 
Some people are like that. They get all revved up in church. God wants the anointing to last all through the week, all through your life, all right to the end. We are anointed to do something for God, an ability from the Lord. And, And David had this ability. And as we've been hearing this morning in some of the the, the words that we have heard, the being filled with the Spirit, being filled with the fruit of the Spirit, being filled with the gifts of the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, to do things that God does with the ability that God gives us. Thirdly, David was faithful in little things. When his father asked him to go to um, fight or to take some food for his brothers who were fighting the Philistines, um, the Bible says he he left the sheep in the hands of a keeper. Before going to to take these provisions to his brothers, he looked after those few sheep. He did little things well. Some people only want the highlights. Some people only want to do the big things. God is looking for men and women like you and me who will do the little things well. (laughs) I look for those who help put the chairs away. (laughs) I I look for those people who see a bit of paper on the floor in the church and pick it up as they go along. (laughs) I look for those kind of things, little things. There's some people are waiting and waiting for the great call to do something fantastic when... (laughs) All you have to do is do the little things well. Maybe just take a a, a class of young people for a a while. Put yourself on the rotor and and, and take a class once a month or something and and be faithful in that. And even if it's pouring down, say, I'm going to show up, come what may. I'm going to do the little things that God wants me to do. I'm going to do it well. People who help along the way. Fourthly, he was part of the answer and not the problem. When uh, Jesse asked David to go and uh, take this food for his brothers, he went and it says about them, they were fighting the Philistines. Actually, no one was fighting. Uh, They were all watching because the Philistines were on one uh, mountain side and the Israel was on the other side of the mountain and Goliath, this great giant, nine feet tall or whatever he was, he was strutting around and they were all just watching him, terrified. <clears throat> and uh, David asked, who is this guy? He said, he's, he's come to defy <clears throat> the armies of the Lord. If He's put out a challenge. If, if we can fight him, if we can kill him, they will be our servants or slaves If he kills our representative, we will be their slaves. So David said, said, I'll go and fight. I'll I'll, I'll take him on. I will be be part of the answer, not the problem. Anybody can see the problem. (laughs) It's people who can see the answers that God is looking for. (laughs) Hallelujah. I want to be part of the answer, brothers and sisters, not part of the problem. And uh, Saul said, well, you've got to, 
if you're going to go and fight, he said, well, put my armor on. Well, you can imagine, Saul is a great, he, Saul was head and shoulders above everybody in Israel, and David, I don't think, was nearly uh, half that size. Anyway, he couldn't work with these. So he said, I'll just go with what I have. And he took with him his sling, and he took five stones from the brook. And like Billy Fenning was telling us last week, uh, they all said, he's too big. But David said, he's, he's too big to miss. <clears throat> so he, he said to this guy, he said, uh, you come to me with a shield and a spear, he said, but I am coming to you in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. In the sight of God, this giant was a dwarf. In the sight of the Almighty, he was just like a, a flea. He was small. Sometimes we can magnify the, pro the problem. Let's magnify the Lord. What does it say in the Bible? Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. How can you, how can you make God? Well, you can't make God bigger, but you can see him bigger. You know, if you have a picture of a, a, a beautiful picture of a, of a rose or something, you can't make the, the rose any, any bigger. But if you have a magnifying glass, you can see it bigger. And I believe that God is wanting us to see things bigger, to see God's power bigger, to see his grace bigger, to see the possibilities that there are in God. Hallelujah. I heard the, um, the brother from the Hebrides revival, Campbell Morgan, was it? Or Duncan Campbell? <laughs> Duncan Campbell, I heard him say, he said, you, 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 you're worried about filling your church or bothered about the church being full? He said, God can fill your church Overnight, he said, I've seen it done. <laughs> well, when they had that revival in the Hebrides, prayer meetings went on to way into the night. People were going home um, in the wee small hours. Of, and people were just finding the Lord, getting saved, coming together in the presence of God. It's wonderful when God works like that. And David was part of the answer and not the problem. And as we know what he did, he slung this, I don't know if slang is a word, has slung this stone. <laughs> and, uh, and it hit the giant on the forehead. Down he goes. And David, who had no sword in his hand, took the, the giant's sword and cut off his head and held it up, this little guy, or whatever. And uh, praise God, God wrought a great victory because someone was part of the answer. Be part of the answer, dear brothers and sisters. Don't be the problem. <laughs> I, have a, I had an uncle, he's, he's, he's died now, but he, he had a wicked sense of humor, and he said this, he said, I, he said, I'm sure that the devil allows some people to get saved, because they're more used to him after they're converted than ever they were before. <laughs> <clears throat> be part of the answer not the problem <clears throat> fifthly his ministry lifted people there's a strange verse about King Saul it says an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him <laughs> what did that mean Saul was now 
away from God. He was allowing things in his life. He was allowing jealousy. He was allowing uh, self-pity. He was allowing pride. He was allowing a critical spirit to get hold of him. And, and, and it was consuming him. And demons love that sort of negativity. And so this darkness came over him. And he was depressed. And, and, and nothing could raise him. What could get him out of this deep depression? This, this awful blackness in his life. And someone said, someone said, there's a young man who lives down in Bethlehem and he plays the harp beautifully and he's a nice singer and also the Lord is with him. Go and bring him, they said. So David came to the palace with his harp and it seemed like as he walked in the door, all the choirs of heaven walked in with him. And as he began to play, as he began to sing, as he began to praise the Lord, it seemed like the darkness and the mist and the gloom and the despair began to lift. Hallelujah. His ministry lifted people, made them feel better about God, better about life, better about themselves. His ministry lifted people. You know, some Christians are masochists. They like the preacher to hit them with everything. Tell them how bad they are, how terrible their prayer life is, how neglected the Bible's reading is, how they should do this and they don't give that. And they go, so hit me some more. <laughs> David's ministry lifted people. And, and the whole purpose of biblical prophecy to edify, exhort, and comfort. That's what it's for. I remember, I remember a guy um, when, we were, when we were in Beeston. He, he, was a, he was a very nice guy in many ways, but he would start off prophesying, God loves you, but... <laughs> it was one of them. God loves you, but... <laughs> And uh, there's this, 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 and this. When he finished, I think, oh, for goodness sake, why don't you shut up? <laughs> I didn't have. <clears throat> it says about the Lord Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, a man anointed of God, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. I remember a dear old man, in fact, he's a, 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 he was a distant relative of mine. His daughter married my cousin. His name was um, uh, Willie Hacking, Pastor Hacking. And he's an old, old Assemblies of God guy that knew all the old-time um, pioneers in Pentecost of Smith Wigglesworth and all those kind of guys. And I went to see him one at Christmas time. And I don't think he said hello to me properly. Uh, he says, come in, David, let's pray. <laughs> he prayed for me. He prayed for me. And it seemed like he just carried the presence of heaven with him. I tell you, he was heaven. He was like heaven on earth. He just, he just lifted my spirit. <laughs> Praise God. David's ministry lifted people. Sixthly, we've only... Another 20 to go. Six. <laughs> he had a sense of timing. 
God had promised David that one day he would be king. But Saul was hunting him. Saul was out to kill him. And on one occasion, Saul, uh, David's men were in a cave and Saul came in and rested. And then one of David's men, one of a uh, man called Abishai, I said to David, God has delivered your enemy into your hand this day. And David said, the Lord shall strike him or his time will come to die or he shall go into battle and perish. The Lord forgive that I should stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. He had a sense of timing. He also, seventhly, had a respect for God's appointed leadership. Now, Saul at this time was a backslidden, bitter king, full of self-pity, full of criticalness. He was full of everything that was yucky, and he wasn't walking with the Lord. And on this other occasion, Saul was hunting David, and he, he was with his army, and he had a water bottle and, and his spear, and David went down, and one of his men said, this is the day now that God has, God has ordained this. Just let me kill him and, and, and you can be the king. And David simply cut off a piece of Saul's robe. <laughs> and then he was conscience stricken. I shouldn't have done it. I should not have done it. Now, I want to say to you, pastors and elders and leaders are not perfect. <clears throat> well, there's one. <laughs> they are not perfect. But God has put them there. And you respect the office. David simply cut a piece of Saul's robe and he was conscience stricken. He said, I shouldn't have done that. You know. Eighthly, he was loyal to his friends who stood with him in adversity. There were people who stood with him all the time in his rejection and in his adversity. And later, when David was um, crowned as king, it was those people who were his commanders, people like Benai, Hushai, Etai, all those people who he promoted afterwards. <clears throat> David, ninthly, he made mistakes and owned up to them. There was a time when Joab, the captain of the army, was conquering, out fighting, and David was at home. He got time on his hands. And he went on the top of his house at night, and he looked at his neighbors, and there was this fabulous-looking woman. As we say, wearing only a smile. <clears throat> She was having a, a wash, and she was naked. And uh, was it Billy Graham who said the first look is okay, it's the second look? <laughs> well, with David, it was the second, and it was the third look. And it, it was a black spot in his life. He, 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 he brought her to the palace, he slept with her, and then she went home. And later on, she wrote him a little note, Your Majesty... I'm pregnant. What is he going to do? What is he going to do? He sends for her husband, 
who is fighting. He chatted to him, how's the battle going, everything, and gave him a little food and wine and stuff, and expecting him to go home, sleep with his wife. When the baby's born, nobody knows any different. But uh, um, her husband, uh, he, Uriah, he never went home that night. He slept on the floor outside the palace. They told David he's, he's not gone home, he's slept here. So he kept him for another day. Why don't, why don't you go home and take a little food with him? He said, I can't do this, your majesty. He said, all the soldiers are out there in the field fighting. Why should I go home and eat and drink and sleep with my wife? Why should I do that when all the others are roughing it in, in, in the field? So David sent a note with him to the captain. He said, put this man where all the valiant men go the hottest part of the battle. And Joab sent a note back some time later. He said about the battle, he said, um, they've done this and that, but Uriah the Hittite, he has also perished. So David had him killed through the others, uh, the, the army. And then he took Bathsheba as his wife. And so God sent a prophet God sent Nathan, a faithful prophet, and he said, Your Majesty, I just heard that in the city there was a very wealthy man. He had thousands of sheep and oxen and cattle. He was, he was very wealthy. And his neighbor next to him was very poor. All he had was one little ewe lamb. And this little ewe lamb was a pet to his family. In fact, it slept in his bed with him. It's all he had. Now, a visitor came to the rich man, but the rich man, instead of taking one of his own sheep, went next door to the poor man and took his sheep. Well, David is absolutely furious. He's purple with rage. He says, the man that has done this will surely die. And then the prophet looked him in the eye and he said, Your Majesty, you are that man. You took the one little ewe lamb that belonged to somebody else. You had many wives, you could, you, you, but you took that one that was his. And David, knowing that God had found him out, he admitted it, he owned up to it, and if you read the, the psalm, Psalm 51, he's pleading with God, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I did. I'm sorry for uh, this. Please don't take your Holy Spirit from me. <clears throat> he made mistakes, but he owned up about it. <laughs> God, my dear friends, is more interested in picking you up and getting you going again. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, who you've done it with. God wants you to own up to it. Own up to it and, and be cleansed from it and restored and forgiven from it. <clears throat> Tenthly, he was honest with his feelings. Sometimes he got down in the dumps and he, he would talk to himself. Do you ever talk to yourself? I think the problems arise when you start answering back. 
He talked to himself. He said, why are you... He took his heart out. Talked to himself. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. Now get back in here. How do you feel now? I feel a lot better. feel a lot better now. Talk to yourself. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Talk to yourself. Be honest with your feelings. You know, some Christians, you say, how are you? Fine, thank you. Dying inside, but fine, thank you. And I hate those rhetorical questions that the, the, the pastors do. How are you all? What, do you really want to know? <laughs> no, we don't want to know. He was honest with his feelings. He could be down, but he encouraged himself in the Lord. <clears throat> Hope thou in God. Psalm Isaiah 49 says, Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. And another verse that says, Cast all your anxiety upon him because he cares about you. Encourage yourself with the scriptures. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Talk to yourself. If you're down in the dumps, and which one of us has not got down in the dumps? And, and, and during this pandemic, there's been such a lot of mental health problems and people have got depressed and all that and they're staying in. And Encourage yourself in the Lord. Get the, get the word of God out and encourage yourself in positive scriptures. <clears throat> Finally, he supported another man's ministry. It would have been the crowning glory of David's long reign to have built a magnificent temple for the Lord. He wanted it. He, he walked one day in his own house and he had a nice place, beautifully paneled palace that he had. And he looked out the window and he saw the tabernacle where the ark of God was kept. And he said to the prophet, I dwell in a house of cedar, but God has to live in a tent. And the prophet said, do all that's in your heart because God is with you. And then the prophet was just acting out of his own thoughts at that point. That night, the, the prophet came to David, or the Lord came to the prophet in the night and he says, I want you to go back to David tomorrow and I want you to tell him something different. I want you to tell him that I want to build him a house, a dynasty, a family. I want to put his children on the throne forever. And of course, it was fulfilled in Christ. I, I am going to build him a house, but he is not going to build a physical temple. One of his children is going to build it. You know, some people, if they can't be at the forefront, if they can't be seen, they're not playing. <laughs> Is that not right? Some people, they've got to be the bride at the wedding and the corpse at the funeral. They've got to be the center of attention. But David, he, he was supporting someone else. And, and what he did... He supplied 
all that he could. He said, if I'm not permitted to build it, I'm going to help the one that is going to build it. And this is what he said in, in, in Chronicles. Besides, in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God, over and above everything I provided for this holy temple. 3,000 talents of gold, 7,000 talents of refined silver for the overlaying of the walls of the temple. He contributed millions of pounds worth in materials and he promoted someone else, his ministry. David served God's purpose in his generation. God is looking, brothers and sisters, for people who will serve God's purpose in their generation. God has a purpose for your life. It begins by calling you out of the world, out of darkness, into his wonderful light. And God will use anybody who isn't bothered about who gets the glory. Joshua said, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. My, my father, uh, when I was younger, I've told you this before, I'm sure, uh, when I was very young, <laughs> the, the streets were lit with, not with electric lights, this will sound like a foreign language to some of you young people, but the streets were lit with gas lights. And at dusk, a person went round and lit the lamps. He was called the lamp lighter. <laughs> and I remember him going and he would light the lamp. And someone said, you could tell the way that he'd gone by the lights that he left behind. And I just wondered, dear brothers and sisters, if we can tell the way that you and I go by the lights we leave behind. I want to leave a few lights behind. I want you to leave a few lights behind to serve God's purpose in your generation. To serve God and leave a few lights behind. Amen.